0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. <clears throat> so this is uh, always, uh, for me, a, a poignant time in the retreat. <clears throat> this is the, the last evening. We'll all be together in this configuration after supporting each other, spending a month practicing internally and relating externally uh, in, the, in the most unique kind of way. Just supporting each other in growing, in waking up, in opening the heart, <clears throat> and as it said, everything that arises passes away, so I just want to take a moment to acknowledge and uh, appreciate our unique configuration for for this month uh, and and all the sincerity that uh, each of you has brought to the practice and, and supporting each other, and it's it's such a a privilege um, to to witness and support you. <clears throat> so I want to share something that hopefully will be appropriate to uh, to those who are leaving and those who are continuing for another month. Um, I hope that will happen. Mm. At first, I, I want to start with a contemporary prayer that uh, maybe some of you have heard. I first heard this from uh, Howie Cohn, uh, but since uh got a uh, greeting card with it on it. So once it's on a greeting card, you know it's really made it. Uh, it says... Um, Dear God, so far today, I've done okay. I haven't gossiped or lost my temper. I haven't been crabby, mean, nasty, selfish, bitchy, or overindulgent. And I'm very grateful for that. But dear God, in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed. (laughs) And then I'm probably going to need a lot more help. Amen. (laughs) <laughs> with uh, the best of intentions and sincere aspiration and practicing for days, weeks, a month or two, years um, we find that until we're fully awakened We are uh, in process. We are in process of learning and and waking up. And it can be a humbling process. uh, And it can be, and hopefully is, a very exciting process, no matter what ups and downs one goes through. So I thought first um, I'd start the talk with um, a discourse uh, by the Buddha of the Buddhas, um, telling the story of somebody who was, uh, who was certainly not fully cooked and who was um, actually new to practice and, and but very, very sincere in his practice um, and the advice that the Buddha has for him and for people who are uh, still developing their practice, not yet, arhats or once-returners, as many of his disciples are. So, you know, for all you arhats and non-returners, you can just kind of, you know, disregard this part. Everybody else, you might find it interesting. Now, this is called the the Megiya Sutta, M-E-G-H-I-Y-A, Megiya. Megiya was um, this... um, this monk, who had newly uh, joined joined the uh, the order, and through, I would say, amazingly good karma, uh, was the Buddha's attendant. Uh, as he was, uh, the two of them were uh, were traveling around and uh, in the, in a the forest uh, to be joined at a later time by other monastics. And uh, this one morning, uh, Magia goes for alms round, and on his, on his way, um, on his way back home, he sees this mango grove, and he says, "Wow, what a great place to practice!" You know, it's like, say, he was wandering the hills of Woodacre, and all of a sudden came to Spirit Rock. You know wow, this is a good place to practice. <clears throat> well, there was this perfect mango grove, and he really wanted to get on with it. He had great spiritual um, um, intention and urgency. So uh, he, at, he says to the Buddha, I found this really great spot to practice. Um, can I go and, and practice? And the Buddha Knows senses that this guy is uh, is pretty inexperienced and um, might not be yet ready to do a self retreat for a while. So he says in his kind way, "Um, "Why don't you wait, Magia? You know, I'm I'm here all alone. Why don't you just keep me company as my attendant?" It's a nice way of saying getting the point across. But Magia says, you know, I really want to go practice. Please, can I go practice? Asks him the second time. You can hear what's coming, right? <clears throat> Again, I'm here all alone in the forest. The others will be coming in sometime. Just keep me company uh, if you if you feel like it. And then Magia has the, um, I think this is a Pali word, chutzpah. (laughs) uh, Something like that. The the nerve uh, and the guts to say, um, look, oh Lord, you have done what's needed to be done. I still haven't. Please let me go practice. So, the buddha as he usually did third time around third time is a charm said magia now it is the time to go and do as you see fit go so M- magia goes has his self retreat probably didn't have a zafu but uh, had his exciting gear and uh, and was ready to sit at the root of the tree And he says, um, let me quote it from from the Sutta. He says, uh, now, while Venerable Magia was staying in the mango grove, he was for the most part assailed by these three kinds of unskillful thoughts. Thoughts of sense desire, thoughts of ill will, and thoughts of doing harm, thoughts of cruelty. Sound familiar? And the thought occurred to him, how amazing, how astounding. Even though it was through faith that I went forth from home to the homeless life, still I'm overpowered by these three kinds of unskillful thoughts. Thoughts of sense desire, thoughts of ill will, thoughts of doing harm. So he goes back to the Buddha, after a while, he, he tries to hang out with it for a while, and then it just gets to be too much, so he goes back to the Buddha, and he says something like, you'll never guess what happened to me. <laughs> and the Buddha said, mm, yeah, this can happen sometimes. When you're not fully mature, you know, the mind can assail and create problems. And that's when he, uh, he gives him five supports for practice when the mind isn't completely settled. Five other aspects to deepen our practice. And this is both for people going home uh, and also there can be the, um, the corollary for people who are staying here as well. So the first of these... And these are probably not going to be new to you, but just want to underscore them. This is what the Buddha said is the real support for your practice, besides the, the um, commitment to, uh, to practice uh, in sitting meditation. First is good friends, is refuge in the sangha, spiritual friends, Kalyana Mita, it's sometimes called, to have good spiritual friends, be around like-minded friends. And he gives the image um, that probably a number of you are familiar of uh, a tender sapling uh, in, in another teaching where he says uh, just planting a, a, a very young uh, tree, just a, a, a sprout, a sapling that's started to uh, started to put its roots in the ground. He says you have that that sapling, you want to protect it. You want to make sure it doesn't get too much rain, but enough water, not too much sun, but enough sun and shade when it needs it, and a fence protecting it from, uh, from animals. Um, and uh, as you keep on caring for it, In that tender way, in that very thoughtful, caring way, as the roots go deeper and the sapling turns into a a vibrant tree, then you can take away the fence, you can don't have to worry about how much water or Sun, because it's strong enough to survive on its own. And not only that, full enough so that it, uh, the branches are f- uh, filled with leaves and can give shade to those who want to um, be cool from the sun. And he said that's a lot like our practice as well, that when we're starting out or when we're, um, when we're developing our practice, you want to uh, protect it. From those elements and um, people who might cause some doubt for you, so that's where hanging out with like-minded people is so important they they remind you of what what you really value, and they allow you to have an ongoing uh, dharma exploration and deepen your your sense of support. Uh, as I'm sure we've all felt here, there's something different about sitting here for a month than say doing a, a self retreat, because we can feel the the energy and the commitment of everyone around. And the same is true outside in our uh, in our daily life to appreciate the power of good friends and be um be careful of uh, who you share your practice with um, because much of the time people won't understand you know and maybe even are a bit um, unsettled by you going deep inside and and might be questioning and and perhaps putting doubt in your mind but As your practice is really deep then or deeper and the roots you're rooted in uh, in your commitment to the Dharma, then it doesn't really matter who you're speaking to as far as shaking your faith in the Dharma and you can provide that shade to others and just by your being uh, provide inspiration. Not because you're trying to, but because it just comes out of you. So good friends, and I'm sure many of you have heard the the exchange with Ananda, where Ananda says, "It seems that having good friends is half of the holy life," and and the Buddha saying, "Not so, Ananda. Having good friends is the whole of the holy life." Good friends are uh, is the is the one common factor in all the seven factors of awakening that is true for developing each of those factors. If you want to develop calm, be around people who value calm. If you want to develop um, investigation, be around those who are curious and want to learn. If you want to develop concentration, be around those who value that, etc., etc. And I thought Along with this, good friends, I'd share with you uh, some um, some pieces from another discourse where the Buddha goes into uh, a bit more detail about um, what good friends are. This is from the Digha Ni- Nikaya, a- advice to lay people, and he has uh, a few different kinds of good friends. I mean, I'll just just for just for your information, I'll I'll share this four types of good friends and they each have four qualities so you can just kind of maybe do the checklist in your mind um, or not Mm. there's the good friend that's a helper who looks after you when you're inattentive who looks after your possessions when you're not aware and will look after them for you who is a refuge for you when you're afraid and who lets you have twice as much of what you ask for. So that's a really good friend. Mm -hmm. But somebody who's generous with you. Then there's the good friend who's the same in happy or unhappy times. That one tells you his or her secrets, guards your secrets, doesn't let you down in misfortune, and would sacrifice their life for you. <clears throat> Again, a really good friend. Um, and these are not mutual, ex- mutually exclusive, obviously. You don't have to be one or another. You can have all of them. Then there's the friend who points out what is good for you. And that one keeps you from wrongdoing, supports you in doing good, informs you what you didn't know, and points out the path. So, This is an interesting one. A good friend, a really good friend, somebody who you can count on when you know that they really are on your side and just want you to grow and want the best from you or for you, then um, it's such a gift to be able to hear the truth in a loving way, in a way that will help you grow and make you even a, a wiser, kinder person. And sometimes it's not so easy to get feedback, but when you're, or even ask for feedback. But if you really wanna wake up and grow, it's so it's such a treasure to have somebody who you can count on and say, hey, help me, help me here. How can I become even more aware, more awake? And a good friend is willing to do that And might even do it without asking because they see that you're you might be causing yourself more more harm. It's good to keep that in mind. And then there's finally the sympathetic friend who um, doesn't rejoice at your misfortune, who rejoices at your good fortune, who stops others who speak against you, and (coughs) Who commends others who praise you? Nice to have people like that around, isn't it? Somebody who's got your back, so to speak. So, these are some things to keep in mind as you, those who are going back into the world, and to those who are staying here, to know that clearly you have some people who've supported you being here, who are cheering you on, and the more you can feel that support and, and others cheering you on, the more it buoys you up. So that's the first support, good friends. Second support that the Buddha gave to Magiya is um, sila, integrity. As uh, Guy was talking about yesterday, uh, the, the bliss of blamelessness that when we have a commitment to uh, living aligned with our highest values, that that is the foundation for true inner peace, as we took the precepts uh, this morning. And it's not like, "Oh, I've taken the precept, taken the precepts, you know, two years ago, I did that already." It's an ongoing practice where you are uh, continually. Um, going to be presented with um, decisions, choice points. And if you can listen inside, you know, or if you listen well, you can sense when something is aligned and when something is off. I think it was Bonnie who talked about those two wholesome qualities, hiri and Otapam that's usually translated as moral shame and moral dread. Pretty Victorian um, uh, translations. But we know them, both of those, as um, conscience. We are wired up with this place that knows inside. And it's so interesting how even though we might sense I don't know. There's that email that I just wrote, you know, should I or shouldn't I? Yeah, what the heck, they deserve it, you know. And then afterwards you say, What was I thinking? And there's the cleaning up to do, perhaps, if you've said something to somebody that's been not so kind. And the guideline, is it truthful? Is it useful? Is it kind? And you might, I find it helpful to kind of topple forward because it's so interesting how we don't really think on the front end the consequences on the back end, whether it's doing something that might be um, might be hurtful or doing something that's out of greed or grasping. Um, it's... It makes sense on the front end. We have very short memories uh, how, when we've done things that have felt off, how afterwards um, there's a whole lot of cleaning up on the back end. In just a moment, we can, a moment of, yeah, this feels good. There's so many moments of, oh, I'm so, I feel so bad about that. And so one little game that I play with myself is toppling forward like six months ahead or 20 minutes ahead and just look back and say, how is this going to feel afterwards? And if I look back and I say, oh, it might be some cleaning up to do. I, I often think of the the, the spiritual journey as Uh, one way to think of it is learning the power of delayed gratification. Because usually it's the delayed response, the one that's more aligned with your values. The happiness is sustained so much more than that fleeting uh, moment of unconsciousness. Mm. And as Guy was saying so beautifully last night in the his talk on karma, where we're planting seeds in every moment. Remember those six different seeds? Particularly the four that I find helpful to reflect on every moment. In the moment, when you're doing something that's skillful, it feels good. In later on, as you recall it, it feels good. The likelihood that you'll do it again Is stronger because you've practiced it and the energy that comes back to you is usually uh, in kind uh, an appreciative energy. Every single moment you act from wholesome wholesome intention, uh, at least you have a greater likelihood. It's not like you can do it all the time, but that place it feels good inside and when you're acting from confusion in the moment, or a moment after the moment, mm, I don't know. In the moment, it might say, yeah, but right after, Ooh, I don't know, um, doesn't feel so good. The, every time you do it, you're practicing that way, and so you increase that habit. The energy that comes back to you, Is generally not, oh, thank you so much for the feedback. Uh, It's something that meets that energy. And when you recall it, it doesn't feel good. So every single moment you are planting seeds of happiness or suffering. So he says, Sila, that is the, that's a a tremendous power of. support for practice. This is from the Dhammapada. The perfume of sandalwood, rose bay, or jasmine cannot travel against the wind, but the fragrance of virtue travels even against the wind, as far as the ends of the world. Like garlands woven from a heap of flowers, fashion from your life as many good deeds. Just keeping on fashioning beautiful beautiful flowers of of virtue. Mm. So that's the second. The third support is one of those precepts, particularly wise speech, that is, again, saying what's true and useful and kind, not harsh, not Unnecessary, <clears throat> and one aspect of wise speech that uh, I I think is advanced wise speech. I was just sharing in uh, in the teacher room with uh, with Aaron and Bonnie. Um, somebody who is a, a really um, uh, Wonderful trainer of nonviolent communication, uh, Mickey Caston, uh, came and and shared a um, a session with uh, one of the Dharma leader uh, trainings that that I led, and uh, she said something I'll, I'll always remember. She said, "You know, when people think about wise speech, they often think in terms of what comes out of your mouth, but a whole other." Uh, dimension of wise speech, the, the really wise communication, also is what are you hearing? Wise hearing. That is, if you can be sensitive enough, you can maybe get a sense of where the person is coming from. Maybe the pain that would make them say something unkind or the insensitivity, or the confusion, or what's going on underneath there. And if you can listen with a very wise heart, to coin, uh, to, uh, to take Jack's, name of Jack's book, A Wise Heart, if you can listen with a wise heart, then you can get underneath the words to the place of really meeting that person. So that's that's a whole other mm, subtlety of, of um, speech. But the Buddha said our speech has a huge effect on our practice. <clears throat> the fourth of those wise efforts, uh, sorry, of, of those um supports is wise effort. Uh, and we talked about this earlier on the four wise efforts, guarding against the unwholesome, abandoning or overcoming the unwholesome when it arises, cultivating the wholesome, and maintaining and increasing the wholesome when it arises. And I gave a, a whole talk on that. I uh, hope you remember about uh, how, um, how helpful it is to practice being here for the goodness in your life, because we can easily easily miss it, and we want to nourish those wholesome seeds when there are states of well-being here on the retreat. And I, I've been really happy to hear a number of people saying, you know, how how that does bring another dimension to their practice. Uh, to just let yourself rest in the goodness of your heart or a moment of metta or um, uh, a quality of calm when it's here. Um, To let yourself rest in it without grasping. Remember, as I said, any kind of grasping, any trying to hold on, and it's just become an unwholesome state. But to really let yourself um, let it register in your body is even more than in your mind. Oh, this is how calm feels. This is how love feels. And the same is true for the outside, even more so, because here we just have such a supportive environment. There, out there, uh, it's still going on, by the way, you know. As much insanity as you could, you could want. You get your whole dose of insanity all at once, you know. But there's so much goodness there too. And what you tune into, um, and what you um, have your radar out for, um, will have a big effect on on how you um, how you navigate that. There's so much goodness in there outside both in other people and in um in the world in life in nature i'm sure you felt that walking around here and seeing the beauty of nature oh my goodness you know and we can go for walks and miss it completely if we're not aware why not be make it like you know the uh, extra credit assignment in your practice to notice all the the goodness in life. Mm -hmm. And it just turns out that the more you look for it, the more you'll see it, particularly seeing it from others. As I I often mention on uh, retreats, uh, we not only will have our radar out, but we actually draw it out of people. When somebody is looking at you, for instance, and they're looking and seeing all your flaws and you know that they're judging you. How do you feel? Flawed or defensive, small. Somebody else can be maybe knowing all your foibles, but you see and you know they're looking and seeing how beautiful you are. How do you feel? You feel beautiful. So, we have a, a tremendous power of just even drawing it out by what we look for. So, um, just want to underscore that right effort of looking for the good as an additional maintain, cultivating, and increasing the wholesome states. When you feel it, mm, let it really register, as well as all the tools we've learned here to overcome unwholesome states and the guarding against is where the sila comes in. <clears throat> and then the fifth, so the fifth of the supports that the Buddha had for Magiya. and that is an ongoing reflection on impermanence. Have that, having that as the the backdrop to your reality understanding whatever is happening right now it's gonna change that's both the good news and the maybe disappointing news depending upon what's happening now but it's the news it's the truth no matter how difficult things are, they change. And that gives us maybe a little bit more courage to wake up and use this moment that the Dharma is offering us. And no matter how good it is, it's going to change. And that's not necessarily bad, it's just the way it is. And once you see, as you've seen so many times, how many different ups and downs do you have in a day? You know? How many have you how many moments of of pleasant and then unpleasant have you had? You know, a dozen? A few thousand? That's the thing. It, you can see it so so much clearly, like, whoo, 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 you know. We pack a lot into a day here on a retreat, you notice. <laughs> and hopefully you start to get, oh, it's not about reaching some kind of magic destination. It's about just learning to be here for the ride. Oh, I can enjoy the ride. Or to some extent, when it's, when it's high, when it's up, it feels good. And you want to be here and enjoy the pleasant, not to hold on to it. It's going to change. And when it's challenging, that's where you really can learn, isn't it? How you can open up to even the difficult. That's where you get your courage and your confidence and your strength and your surrender and all the things that that life can show you as... Um, your capacity to be with compassion, forgiveness, just being here for the ride. <clears throat> this is, uh, I can find it. Let's see. This is, uh, from Jennifer Wellwood, unconditional. I don't, th- I don't know if it's been read here. Or there. Willing to experience aloneness, I discover connections everywhere. Turning to face my fear, I meet the warrior who lives within. Opening to my loss, I gain the embrace of the universe. Surrendering into emptiness, I find fullness without end. Each condition I flee from pursues me. Each condition I welcome transforms me and becomes itself transformed into its radiant jewel-like essence. I bow to the one who has made it so, who has crafted this master game. To play it is pure delight. To honor its form, true devotion. So, understanding impermanence and being able to be here for both parts of uh, the ride. This uh, is a tremendous support for practice. So, those are the five good friends, um, sila, good wise speech, wise efforts, the unwholesome, and cultivating the wholesome, and impermanence. Now, some things to Um, to realize that these supports can uh, can also open us up how the practice works. One is um, to see that this is a very, very uh, special uh, opportunity while we're here to practice. As I've said before, somehow you have heard a call that you couldn't ignore. It's extraordinarily good karma that you're here, at least in in my mind. Um, And so to reflect on um, what are called uh, the four mind uh, mind changers uh, in practice, one of them is the preciousness of this Human birth. It's extraordinary that we are born human. Very, very rare in the scheme of things. And of all the, the different uh, possible births, it's said that the human birth is the optimal one because we can um, we can have both pleasure and pain, a good combination of both. We're not in the deva realms going to s- just delighting in pleasures and not wanting to uh, to awaken, or we're not in the lower realms where it's so hard to to wake up. But just the right amount of Of both, and that we have this intelligence that can know itself, that can know that awareness is knowing the object. Uh, A a fact I love from uh, Wes Nisker's book Buddha's Nature. He says right now in your mouth there are more living organisms than humans since the beginning of time. Try that one on for size. You could have been one of those. (laughs) But you are this ecosystem called you. That's amazing. And even more amazing that you have heard the Dharma and be touched and that you have the opportunity to practice the Dharma the preciousness of this opportunity. So for those who are staying here for uh, another month, um, thank you. Thank you for your practice and for everybody who's been here for a month, thank you. Because what you do makes a difference. It does. Just a bit more consciousness in this world a bit more kindness in this world, a bit more compassion in this world, and to not take that opportunity for granted. We have now managed to be born into such a state. We have encountered the Buddha Dharma have entered the path and are now receiving teachings. But if we're unable to practice them, simply listening to the teachings will not in itself liberate us from samsara and will be of no help to us when we're confronted by the hardships of birth, disease, old age, and death. If we do not follow the doctor's prescription when we're sick, then even the doctor, if the doctor sits constantly by our side, the pain will not go away. That's from Dilgo Kensei Rinpoche. Here we are. Practice. Not just here on the cushion, but when you get home, practice. What an incredible opportunity in this precious human birth. And the other mind changers, as Guy was talking about last night, karma. Just realizing that you're planting seeds all the time, as I've just mentioned. And to... See impermanence and death. That's a mind changer. You don't have unlimited time. This is one moment in your finite number of moments in your life. And it will come to an end. Why not be here for this one? Why not make use of it? As the the reflections are, are encouraged by the Buddha. You will grow old. You will become sick. You will die. Everything and everyone near and dear to you, you will be separated from. And you are the owner of your karma and your habits of mind. He said, think about that every day. To really make this moment count doesn't mean you've got to come from a sense of fear. Uh Uh-oh, i better squeeze more out of this moment uh, because it's going. All that does is just get you tight. No, but to really open up and fully appreciate it. This is a moment of your life. And then the, the fourth mind changer, the defects of samsara. As it said, and Bonnie gave a talk on the vipalasas, the distortions of perception, where we take what is impermanent to be permanent, or we take what is this, what is what will turn into suffering to be a source of happiness. Mm-mm. That we have that. Uh, um, remember, I read about Samvega, the the not seeing the meaninglessness of life as it's normally lived, and to see, oh, there's a deeper way to live our life when you see through that defect, the defects of samsara. So, with those in mind, to kind of give some inspiration to practice. Some other supports that I find for practice, um, just underscoring what we've said here before, Mm. and that is um, bringing that sense of um, investigation is really uh, having a, a, a quality of wonder and surprise. The, the Tibetans have this great word they, they uh, mention, they, they start a lot of their um, um, Vajra poems with the word emaho, E-M-A-H-O exclamation mark, emaho, which means how amazing, just how amazing it all is, and uh, let's see. I want to read to you from. Ah, this is from uh, "Flight of the Garuda." One, one beautiful poem. Emaho. Mm-mm. Listen carefully, fortunate children of my heart. <clears throat> It's like you're ready for a bedtime story. (laughs) Listen, and fortunate children of my heart, he says, Um, as the enlightened state always remains within minds of all beings, how amazing that one is never separate from it for even an instant not knowing that the state is within oneself, how amazing that one searches for it elsewhere. Although it is clearly manifest like the radiant disk of the sun, how amazing that so few see it. No matter how much happiness and sorrow that is experienced, How amazing that it is neither impaired nor improved, even in the slightest, our true nature. How amazing that, without being fabricated, this mind, which is unborn and primordially pure, is spontaneously present from the beginning. This self-awareness is naturally free from the very first. How amazing that it is liberated by just resting at ease in whatever happens. How amazing. So I really um, hope and encourage that besides being, finding the, the courage to be there for the dukkha, that this is an amazing. Adventure and is is one that um, can fill one with awe and wonder <clears throat> and along with that, there is the other side, the purification side, and I know you know I've been so moved by the the courage of, of so many of you here to be willing to face your darkest, scariest, uh, most challenging places inside. <coughs> and to see that you have the capacity for it. <clears throat> and this is natural too. And that becomes amazing as well. I Mm-hmm. I want to read something? So I can find it. Well, I know it by heart. Ramdas in uh, in Be Here Now. He says, uh, as you as you uh, further purify yourself your impurities will seem grosser and larger. Understand that you're not getting more caught in the illusion. You're just seeing it more clearly. The guardians of each inner temple get fiercer as you move deeper and deeper. But the light gets brighter too. So all of that purification. This is a good thing. This is part of the healing if you have the support to open up to it, which is what like-minded friendship is about. And if you have the resources to, uh, to just take it as, as you can to you know, titrate your dukkha, as, we, as I like to say. How amazing, though. What an adventure that we're, we're going on. And what you're doing here makes a difference in the world. It really does. And I, um, the way I see it, we're all just um, agents of the Dharma. You don't have to be standing on a street corner and talking about the seven factors of enlightenment or you know, give give a give a whole uh, a whole wrap. When I when I first got into practice, and I was really excited about practice, and I was practically running down the streets, shouting to anybody who'd listen, "You just have to be mindful. You just have to be mindful." I was so excited, and my friends kind of slunk away from me and said, yeah, "Give this guy a little bit of space. You know, you you, you don't want to be." coming on so so heavy handed, but your own practice touches other people. Just your own centeredness, your own goodness, your own compassion, your own clarity, and it is contagious Perhaps you know people have might have come to come up to you and say, "What are you into anyway?" Has that ever happened? You know, what are you into? You know, what a tremendous gift to uh, just help wake that up in others as well. And the more you practice inside and clarify within the more that rippling effect has for everyone. This is from Nyoshul Kempo. We are not practicing for ourselves alone since everyone is involved and included in the great scope of this perfectly pure motivation benefit others. Whatever else we might do is secondary to that. And if we cultivate this good heart, this altruistic, unselfish attitude, then all strife and struggle will naturally be pacified, purified, and transformed in us and become beneficial to others through contact with that good heart which we, the Bodhisattvas, strive to strive to embody. So, kind of up levels the whole practice, what you're doing here really does matter. for yourself, for everyone in your life, for the greater stew of consciousness in the world. And the beautiful thing is, um, you don't have to do it alone. We do it here together. And so one last honoring of our configuration uh, this evening, I want to close with uh, this poem by Dana Falds, who I've been reading from, uh, called Sangha. Teach me what I cannot learn alone. Let us share what we know and what we cannot fathom. Speak to me of mysteries and let us never lie to one another. May our fierce and tender longing fuel the fire in our souls. When we stand side by side, let us dare to focus our desire on the truth. May we be reminders each for the other that the path of transformation passes through the flames. To take one step is courageous. To stay on the path day after day choosing the unknown, and together facing yet another fear, that is nothing short of grace. So let's sit for a moment.